Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. This is Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXNO. Good morning. Welcome in once again. Miller and Condon on the air with you here on a Thursday as we talk the world of sports. Taking up until 1 o'clock today, leading into Murph and Andy and the KXNO Drive. Glad to have you aboard with the seven hours of local talk here on the KXNO Airwaves. Well, it is officially Cyhawk Day on the men's side. Yesterday, it was the women's chance to do it. We'll get into that. A lot of Hawkeye and Cyclone conversation today. We'll kick it off at the bottom of the hour, 1130. Dave Sprout from KASI in Ames, 1430 on the AM dial. The home and away voice of Iowa State Athletics in Story County. He will stop in. We'll talk Cyclones with him. Then 12.05, David Eicholt, Hawkeye Insider, 24-7 Sports. He will stop in. Our final day of our guest host of the week. And we save the best for last. Self-proclaimed best, at least, is John Lamb. What's far, up? Far from the best, TC. Just uh, trying to fill Ken's size 15 shoe. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Ken be on his way back from Vegas. He's been hanging out at Circa the last couple of days with Chris Williams and the crew out there. And uh, saw they put a little a couple of videos out there. I, I just hope he makes it back. Well... The old man, he's 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 smart at this point. We need that. We need that man in our in our world. He we knows how to do. get away, retire when need be, <laughs> move move on, and and get out of the spotlight when things get a little bit hairy. You know, I've hung out in Vegas a few times now with Ken. You can't keep him out late. I mean, he's got his script. He knows what he's doing. There's no working him off script. But he was out. I saw yesterday. They went over to the D and Bacon Nation, the new restaurant at the D. That sounds delicious. It was him and Williams. And there's a video of them sitting at the table. They got all the food around them, breakfast, bacon, everything that you can imagine there. And Williams goes in for a hug. Now, you know Ken a little bit. Not exactly a, a real huggy kind of guy. It didn't go well for Williams. Oh, that's great. You can check it out. We retweeted on the Miller and Content account. And, uh, yeah, uh, just funny stuff out of those guys. Ken will be back for a football Friday tomorrow, and we will talk with him then. But... Boy, John, it's basketball season. It happens very quickly. I go right in from high school football, right into basketball, wrestling season. It happens fast, but I feel behind on the high school basketball scene. Of course, you do so much with your AAU program, with Beyond Ball, and everything that you guys do with Handle University and the Skills Academy that you have there. I was able to call the Waukee-Waukee Northwest game on Tuesday for Mediacom. Just a great, great ball game there. A lot of fun, both on the girls' and boys' side. But I'm excited to get back together with you. Call some high school hoops here on the Airways on KXNL. The same here, man. But first off, it's always basketball season. It is. You live a different world than I do. I get. It's like I live in Iowa. You live in like San Diego, where it's just one season all the time, right? It's always basketball season for you. You're always enthralled in it. You know names, you know kids, you know the ones that are coming up and who need to watch for, you know, on the varsity level that I watch the most. It's it's something that, though, it's got to be fun, and we got a big day today, just a perfect day to bring you in. We're going to preview Iowa State tonight on the men's side, look back at what we saw on the women's side of things. But busy, I mean, when is your busiest time? Is it the summertime because of all the events that you're taking kids to? Is it during this part of the year, which is, quote-unquote, the real basketball season? What is the busiest time for a guy like you? I, w- I would probably say um, the summer because of the travel and then, mm-hmm. you know, the scouting and then the training, it, it kind of all just stacks on top of each other. But 
I'm, I'm grateful for the job I have. I'm grateful for the opportunity to be around basketball. So, you know what they say, you never work a day if you uh, love what you do. So I'm happy to do it. But this time of year is great. I mean, you see these kids that work super hard all summer long. Um, you've, you've watched them grow up since they were little tykes. And, mm-hmm. and then they're on the big stage. And, you know, it's, just, it's great to see their success. You uh, obviously have had a long relationship also with Omaha Blue. So got to see him in person for the first time in a couple of years after he departed a year ago, played at a prep school before coming back at Waukee. And just watching the way that his game has evolved this year, uh, seeing him, he's always been able to knock down shots, but just mm-hmm. how much more smooth he is, you know, shooting in rhythm, those kind of things. Does he have things to work on still? Absolutely. You know, get to the ultimate level that he wants to to be an NBA player, there's no doubt. But the elite athleticism that he has, coupled with those basketball skills, just the continued development, seeing him for the first time, you can see that path continues for Omaha. Yeah, he's a five-star for a reason. You know, and it's, shoot, I've known Kelderman for 10 years. Yes, since he and was what a nine. game he had. You know, he's just a fantastic player, a great family. Um, brother's actually uh, an assistant coach, GA at, Missouri for Gates. He does all the workouts there. He, he just busts his butt, this business, trying to trying to be a professional in it. He's just killing it. So it's great to see all these kids do well. But in, in regards to Omaha, holy moly, dude, you you were screaming the whole game. I yes. heard it. Yeah, absolutely. He's electric. It's, it's great to see him succeed. Um, great kid. Uh, I know the future is just bright, bright, bright for that young man. Yeah, he's got a lot in front of him. Well, before we look forward to tonight's Iowa-Iowa State men's game, Let's take a look back at last night and the women's game. A game that played out, I think, completely different than anybody would have anticipated. So, Iowa comes in, gets the victory. The Iowa women had played brutally defensively. And after the NC State game, the way that Lisa Bluter called out her team, and in a fashion, I've heard Lisa Bluter call out her team before. I've heard her you know, say, we got to be better at things, we got to be better defensively, whatever it is, we have to do things better. She was hard. And hard in the media. In the locker room, I'm sure those are the, there's those moments. But she's normally not like that in the media. She came to the press conference after that loss to NC State with the message. If we don't play better defense, we're going to get run out of the gym against Iowa State. We're going to get run out of the gym all season long. We're not good enough just be able to show up and beat teams with our offense. And what did they do? They clamped down. Were they helped by missed free throws? Absolutely. There's no defense on free throws. But they came out and played certainly their most inspired effort defensively. As a coach, how tough is that? If you've got a system, you're an offensive team, you're, that's what you're known for, that's what you work on the most. How difficult is that, certainly in season, to kind of flip the switch and become a defensive team, even if it's just for one night? Yeah, it's, it's extremely difficult. And the truth is, it's, it's the goal that you're trying to obtain the entire season. You know, if you know you're good at something, um, you, you milk it till it's dry, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, saddle up. This is the Caitlin Clark show. I'm here for the ride, you know. But when you can just grow defensively and you put those two together, you're you're trying to chase that the entire season. I was very impressed with the way they guarded. Um, Iowa State was one for twelve in the first. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen those Iowa State girls shoot. It's nothing but net. Yeah. And they got some shots. Yeah. It wasn't like the Iowa defense was perfect and there was somebody there every time. They were shots that they normally make. Yeah. And, and that's going to change. And the eight consecutive missed free throws, that's another one. I mean, if you're Bill Fenley, what do you do? Do you talk about it? Do you not talk about it? That's one of those things. They're, are they going to miss eight free throws again in the next decade? 
If Bill Fenley's there for another 10 years, probably not. But it just happened to happen at that moment in the top 20 showdown. Yeah, well, Iowa was guarding. You, when you have that pressure, everyone gets tired. I mean, your mm-hmm. legs are just a little bit unjuiced, if you will. Perfect storm. Yeah. It's hard to play on the road. Hats off to Iowa. That was, that was a great ball game. And Caitlin Clark started off very slow, 2 of 14 in the first half. She heated up in the third quarter, as the team did. But we've seen this, going back to that NC State game, going back to the UConn game. Mm. It can't just be Caitlin Clark. If they're going to hit those heights, if they're going to be an Elite Eight team, if they're going to make a run like that in the NCAA tournament, it can't just be Caitlin Clark doing it. No, in but, fact, they haven't won a game when she scored 40 or more. Right? I mean, how crazy is that? Every time that she's done that, I think five times in her career, they're 0-5 in those games. She needs help. It needs to be Susano, but not just even her. You can take her out of the game, and we've seen different teams do that. NC State did a great job of that. You need Gabby Marshall hitting shots. Martin last night, she was really good. Warnock, on and on and on. I mean, the pieces have to help out here, and they got that complete team effort, and that's why they got the victory. Something going into the game, I loved Iowa State. The way the Cyclone women were playing, the way that they certainly have been able to defend, and Iowa flipped the script for a night, and good to see for them side. And for the Iowa State side, like I said, they're not going to miss eight straight free throws again this season. Do you hit the concern button? Not even a panic button, a concern button. Or do you just walk away and say, hey, we lost to a good team on the road? Yeah, I think you you do the latter. I mean, maybe the only concern would be in-state recruiting or, you know, regional recruiting. They could use it over their head, whatever the case may be. But I, I wouldn't I wouldn't bat an eye. Go back to work. You have the Big 12 coming up. That is grueling. Mm-hmm. Holy cow, those girls are huge. They play hard. I mean, you just got to get back to the lab and get back to work, period. That's it. No worry. You're good. Ashley Jones ultimately didn't get a win in her hometown. I know that was something that was really important for her. Tried to get that. Of course, grew up in Iowa City and ultimately it didn't come to fruition. But there's bigger goals out there. Working for that regular season championship for a Big 12 championship, make a run in the NCAA tournament, all those different things. And and the Suarez girl, watching her. Now, I've seen Iowa State this year a couple of different times. I haven't seen a complete game, though, like that. But the way that she moves at six foot six and her ability, and it feels like there's even more that still can be untapped. Now, hearing Bill Fennelly talk about her throughout this season, and they beat not everybody in the country for her, but most everybody was after her in the transfer portal. It, it just it feels like as she becomes more comfortable playing at this higher level, taking this huge step up, playing in the Big Twelve, her best basketball still may be maybe in front of her this year. Oh, it is. Absolutely. I mean, she came from, was it Friends University yeah, in Wichita? Yeah. Which well, the, is an NAI school? Well, I think it was in California, the school that she was at. It, it was a Holy, place that I mean, she, her parents had played at. That's where they had met. She's so smooth. Yes, absolutely. You know, as she gets a little more time, she gets a little more practice. The lights aren't as flashy. They're not as big. These stadiums aren't as loud. Uh, she's a great piece, but I, I'm impressed with all those Iowa State girls. Good season in front of us. And after the game, I thought it was really cool, too. Caitlin Clark was being interviewed, and they asked her, and she said, hey, it's not just us two either. You and I. Drake. Drake, She she mentioned the two programs. And Drake had Iowa on the ropes earlier this season here in Des Moines. You and I, what Tanya's done, really good job with that program. That was down for a long time. And Tony DeCecco got him at a certain level, but just never was able to get above it. 
Tanya has elevated that. Obviously, he's taken them to the NCAA tournament a couple of different times. We obviously know about the success of Drake basketball here in this city and just how good they are. And, well, a young lady that we're going to see a little bit later this season, I know, committed to them. I saw Tracy Daly's daughter. Mm -hmm. She's going to be part of that program going forward. Mom and dad got to be happy with that. They got Jackson down at Arkansas State. That's, That's some travel down there to see him play quarterback down in the Sun Belt. Get your daughter playing close to home. That'll help out the travel budget just a little bit. Yeah, Jackson's uh, Jackson's girlfriend, her brother's on my sixth grade team. Oh, really? So, yeah, they go see him all the time. Yeah. Great family friends. We know how awesome the dailies are. Mm-hmm. It, it's cool to see that uh, sibling rivalry, if you will, in, in the household of uh, full of athletes. So... You're an interesting guy to talk to because this last couple of weeks has been dominated with the conversation, starting on Monday especially, of the transfer portal. Mm. And it's something that you know incredibly well with guys that you worked at going through middle school, high school, and then go on to collegiately. You're somebody also that I'm sure coaches reach out to to see is there potential interest, those kind of things. So I want to start at the most basic level. And we're wrapping our mind around this. I know there are plenty of fans that are incredibly frustrating. You see the starters that are leaving. You see Tyrese leave to go to Texas for Iowa State basketball. You see Justin Jacobs, a starter for Iowa, leaving and going wherever it may be. So there's a frustration of that. These guys, they're on the bench. These are guys that are your starters, and they're moving on. But at the most basic level, this, it feels so wild, so out of control from your vantage point, is that what it is? It's just the wild, wild west right now, and, and there's really no guardrails to it. Well, from where I'm sitting, watching and working in this thing, it's always been the wild, wild west. Right. And, and I think people... <laughs> but uh-huh. I, I encourage people just to not take it personal. You know, this is, a, this is a team game, but it's an individually based team game. And, you know, these athletes, they have to do what's best for them, their families. Um, it, you know, it, it could be as... It could be as small as, you know, as they're stuffing these dudes full of calories. I'm a, I don't like steak, but they make me eat it every day. Or mm-hmm. I don't like, but you know, it, it could sure. be so small as that. Um, it's a difficult time. You, you don't like to see it. You know, you grow attached to these players. You buy their jersey now, NIL. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is very, very hard. It's it's hard for coaches. Um, they have to recruit a new team in the basketball realm every single year you hear about six seven eight new players that would suck to just adjust <laughs> back to your system because yeah, i mean that's a lot of swear words to get them in, in line <laughs> well in iowa state they went through it a year ago and what tj was able to yep. build very quickly and hit the ground running same thing happening again this season with that squad it it's the new reality it's the way that you have to play and going through and changing and and evolving of what your basketball program is. But you mentioned a good part, too. It's not just about, hey, who's the next guy? Who are we reaching out to? How are we going to fill in the gaps? It's re-recruiting your own players and making sure that they're happy throughout the season. Ultimately, we wanted what is best for the student-athlete, right? The ability for them... Sometimes. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) to, To move, to transfer, to be able to play, do those things, to have the ability that coaches have always had. There was no sitting out period if you left to coach another program. You were able to coach right away. It wasn't the same for student-athletes. Yes, name, image, and likeness. Of course, you should be able to profit off your name, image, and likeness. Has it gone too far already with what's happening with these collectives and the money? And it's more pay-for-play than I think people initially anticipated. But this is a billion-dollar operation we're talking about, NCAA athletics. And because of that, yes, there is absolutely going to be a lot of money out there, people willing to do it. 
And why shouldn't the guys that are actually playing the game actually benefit financially? And it could be on the small scale. And you know the different skills. You've told me some of these stories about different guys. And it could be something as simple as, hey, it's an extra two grand a month. Yep. Your college kid, that goes a long ways. And then there's the high-end stuff. There are the six figures. There are the seven-figure offers that are out there and guys making that kind of money. It's different scales for everybody, but ultimately it's about finding that right fit. And for so many of these guys, they don't have the same attachment that I grew up as a Hawkeye fan. Mm-hmm. They don't have the same attachment that you have to different programs and different coaches and the like. They don't have that attachment for them. It's about going, having fun. You can have fun in a lot of different colleges. You know, there's there's not just like three party schools in the country that you can have a good time and play good basketball or good play play good football. You're 18 to 22 years old. You're going to find a fun time wherever you go. I, I I don't think that's a real big problem for these guys and the attachment to the university that maybe we saw in the past. Probably not the same for these young kids anymore. Yeah, you you get attached to the coach. You yeah. you answer your phone every day. You get to know them. You know, these coaches do a great job getting to know you. It's about the individual. It's really, really hard to to elaborate on because the truth is they're going to make that decision. If if you get $6 at this job and that job over there pays you 16 you know, it, yeah. you, you got to go. You, you got to go. You do it, right? Oh, you make absolutely. a million dollars a year. If you made a million and one, you'd go. Well, I don't know about a million and one, but yeah, I mean, if there's a jump up though, and it makes sense and it's easy, and that's what it is for so many of these guys. Right. Oregon uh, offering a bunch of money. You got Alabama. You got Texas A&M. The decision can become pretty easy for you to do that. And look at Nigel Pack. Yeah. Going out to Miami. Watched them a little bit last night in a fun game against Cornell. 107-105 was the final in that one. He's not playing great, though. And that guy, that dude got, what, half a million dollars a year? And that's what, that's what no one wants to talk about. right? You don't get the job done. Where's my money? I need it back. I need that new Chevy, whatever, avalanche. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I need it back. You're not performing. And unfortunately, that's not going to happen for, for men's basketball because it's just won't but you know the truth of the matter is ever since fred came mm-hmm. got the transfers me royce anthony booker chris babb and chris allen nothing's ever been the same it's changed and yeah. evolved in the way that you can build a program and iowa state has shown an ability to do that now yep. with two different coaches and playing at a high level again this season so that leads us to tonight and we'll dive a little bit deeper into things but just on the most basic level we see iowa quick turnaround now play tuesday night Late night getting back. I heard they landed at 3.47 to get back to Iowa City till almost 5 a.m. Get a couple hours of sleep, sleep on the plane, got classes, you got practice, your walkthroughs yesterday, and now you're playing again today against Iowa State. You play poorly against Duke. You don't shoot it well. Chances in that game, they were never able to get back into it. So, good thing, bad thing. The quick turnaround for Iowa basketball coming back home here for Iowa State. Is it... How would you look at it as a coach, this quick turnaround, positive or negative for the Hawkeyes? You know, it's, it's, the, it's the body of work. You know, you're, you're, doing, you're doing early morning lifting, then you're doing breakfast club to gain some calories, then you're going to class, then you're going to, you know, individual workouts, then you're going to weight, you know, like mm-hmm. you're going to your tutor, then you have practice. You know, coaches do a fantastic job of, really just lay in the the groundwork this is unfortunate that it's back to back basically 
but the truth is they've been they've been doing this their whole lives. You know, they have the the summer workouts and then they're playing in the in the primetime league or they're playing pickup and you know, we used to play until someone got into a fist fight. You know, <laughs> right? it's just yeah, yeah. It, it it sucks that it's against Iowa State too, and and it sucks that people are going to use it, or you know they'll use well whoever uses it as a, a potential excuse, but it's not as hard as you think. Fran probably stayed up for hours mm-hmm. just making that final decision: do we do a walk through when we get there? Or do we do this? Do we do that? Because you bet your bottom dollar, he made them go to 8 a.m. class if they had it. Yeah. And that's just part of being a professional. And that's what you're trying to teach these young men in college. And, and uh, hopefully they take it to their, to their next step if they're good enough. Got to be ready to go in this yep. Iowa State team. They're going to be ready. Rinse due, baby. They, Every day. They came out against St. John's on Sunday. And from the opening tap, they were locked in. They knew it was a good St. John's team coming in. Hadn't lost a game this season. They completely took it out of it. Jumped out, what, 22-5? Just dominating. St. John's couldn't make passes. I mean, just they couldn't set up their offense and what they were trying to do. This is a team that had a lot of success, and Iowa State completely took them out of what they wanted to do. Here comes Iowa, questioning themselves. Don't shoot the ball well. They have not shot the ball well now for a month. Since the early portion of the season, Peyton Sanford, he's struggling. They're a sharpshooter. They're not getting it done out on the perimeter. You have these things, and now you see this Iowa State team that is going to clutch, and they're going to grab, and they're going to defend, and they're going to be up in your shorts all night long, and you got to be ready. I mentioned this yesterday, John. I hate this. You know me. We've called games together now for a while. I hate blaming officials. That is not me. It is a difficult sport to officiate. I think it's a loser mentality, and you hear a lot of people that right away blame the refs. Blame the refs. More than anything, especially in basketball, I am not that. But this crew, whoever gets the game tonight, Hmm. how they call this game very well could dictate who comes out with the win. Well, first off, most five, six dudes blame it on the refs. So I'm proud of you. Get off my break. I'm proud of you. You know, it's going to have high class, first class officials. I mean, yeah, I hate the whole blame blame the stripes. It's it's completely unnecessary. You have responsibilities, you have assignments, you have the scouting report that you should know front to back. You know, well, I mean, do you think it's just, you know, if if they let Iowa State be handsy, mm-hmm. is that the ticket that you're talking? Yeah, absolutely. If if they're able to play a physical brand and there's not a bunch of whistles, there's not a bunch of fouls called, that style will certainly help Iowa State. If they're cl- calling it close, and you're seeing a lot of touch fouls, yeah. and they're not allowed to have those hands out there, and Iowa's getting to the free throw line and getting the free throw line 35 times tonight, I think Iowa wins this game handily. If it goes the other way, and it's a physical game, and Iowa State's able to play that way, I think Iowa State wins the game handily. And this is what we see in this rivalry. Going back, yeah, five, six, seven years ago, those were, what, three straight games that came down to the wire? Yeah. But there's been a lot of blowouts in this series, too. I think people forget how many times that this thing has completely got away, and it has been... Both ways. Yeah, not not the one that came down to Gasell at the free throw line at the end. Not games like that, but it's been 20-point victories for both Iowa and Iowa State. Yeah, I mean, this is a great rivalry, whatever sport it is. Water polo, football, <laughs> basketball, doesn't matter. Uh, all I know is we'll know within the first 10 seconds of the game if the physicality is going to be at whatever level. Mm-hmm. Who do you think wins, TC? So... The point spread came out last night, and I always, 
obviously look at it from a point spread perspective. So, oh, I thought you wrote the spread. <laughs> uh, no, not for this one. Not, not for yet. this one. No, no. I do from time to time dabble and try to help people out a little bit. Some people that I know in the business, and and more than anything, it's our local teams and and different things that I have a little bit more on, or if I have some information passed along to them, but. I knew that the number was going to be bigger than most people anticipated. And the first reason is because Ken Pomeroy, KenPom.com, analytic-based site, and what his number, his projected number is, is incredibly close to what Vegas puts out. Basically, his structure and the way that he does things, it is a predictive model. The same thing that Las Vegas uses. When they put out point spreads, it is a predictive model. It is not narrative-based that we talk about, hey, this team's playing well, this team's playing bad. That is overrated when it comes to the way that Vegas does things. It's strictly numbers. And there's adjustments that happen, but more than anything, it is based on numbers. And his numbers had it, Iowa 73, Iowa State 67. Six-point spread, 140 the total. DraftKings was the first one I saw that came out with the number yesterday. What did they have? Iowa favored by six. The over-under was at 140. Now, a sharper book, and the sharp book that we talk about a lot here is Circa, They came out a little bit later. Their number was four. And now you look across the board. Iowa is favored by four in this game pretty much everywhere. It's come down to DraftKings and the other spots. And the over-under down a little bit at 138. At that number, at that first price, Iowa State plus six. I jumped down right away. I I said I had to take Iowa State plus the six. Like I said, it very well could be a blowout. I could see that happening. But I thought there was too much value Iowa State Plus six. I'm still not sure what plus or minus means. I thought that was yeah, the percentage six. that you get for the win on on your bet. No, no, no. Plus six is final score is seventy five seventy. You have the team that has seventy, add six to it. You won your bet. Plus six. I get it. Minus six, you take away six. It's that, as simple that as that. Makes sense. Yeah, it's as simple as that. So Iowa is the favorite in this game. Right now they're favored by four. I would still lean taking Iowa State because we've got to see it out of Iowa. Mention Peyton Sanford. He's struggling shooting the ball right now. They have to have that. This is not a great shooting team in general. Tony Perkins, not a shooter. He can hit shots, but he's not a shooter. That's not his game. Aaron Eulis, certainly not a shooter. McCaffrey can hit shots. Both Patrick and O'Connor this year and going back to the end of last season. But again, that's not three-point shooting is not their game. Same thing. Rebracha. Now, Chris Murray, they got to get him going, and we'll see if he's able to go as he was walking around with a boot on his ankle yesterday. He'll play. He'll play. All these things together, I definitely am leaning towards Iowa State. We'll get your pick a little later. But we're going to talk more Cyclones coming up next. Dave Sproul is going to join us from KASI 1430 in Ains. We'll talk Cyclones. We will break things down, what he has seen, his expectations for this one, where the Iowa State women go. And, of course, coaching changes on the football side of thing. What's the latest on that front? That's all coming up as we continue. John Lamb in for Ken. Bet Ken will be back with us tomorrow. It's Miller and Condon. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. 106.3. Offer.com for details. Purdy. Miller 
Americana continues, 106.3 KXNO, taking you up until 1 here this afternoon. Still come, we'll talk some Hawkeyes with David Eichholt, but we're talking Cyclones right now. He is Dave Sproul, 1430 on the AM dial, KASI. Moment away voice for Iowa's uh, Ames Little Cyclones Athletics. And uh, my co-host today, John Lamb, I, I think back in the day, very well, Dave, you might have called some of John's games when he was playing for the Indianola Indians. Did the Little Cyclones in Indianola ever get together? John, do you remember? Um, yeah, we did. We played Austin Arnod uh-huh. and Ben Cotton oh, in yeah. Ames. And then my senior year, we had Harrison at, at home on senior night. Not too bad. How are the Little Cyclones looking this year in the hoop squad? Uh, solid start. They're uh, 2-0. and haven't faced uh, a lot of resistance quite yet, but uh, they're a team to watch. I didn't know quite what to expect because not only, you know, losing Tame and Lipsy, but uh, a lot of other talent from mm-hmm. that state championship team last season. Uh, but uh, they got a kid named Frank Keller who moved into the district uh, during the offseason uh, from the Houston area, 6'6", very athletic, long arm, uh, has a little bit of outside range to him as well, and he and uh, Lucas Luth, uh, returning starter from last year's team, both uh, bring some height, some length uh, to the floor, some athletic ability, and they got some good pieces around them too. So I think that early returns, say, I think this is a team that has the potential to be a state uh, tournament contender, I'm not going to go too crazy quite yet because there's a lot of basketball to be played. You never know what you're going to get in the sub-state. But I think they have the ability, if it all comes together and they develop the way they want, that they'll be, they'll be in the mix for sure for a title, or not a title berth, but at least a tournament berth. Good. Good stuff there, and uh, we'll keep an eye on it here throughout the season. Let's talk some Iowa State. Before we get into the basketballs, we've talked about that a lot, football side of things, Nate Shieldhouse. He becomes the offensive coordinator. You know, I've heard both sides uh, of this argument. One of the people very excited, Nate Shieldhouse, a rising star in the coaching ranks. A lot of people thought he had an ability. Maybe South Florida was after him with the connection there with Alex Golish uh, making his way down there as the head coach. Potential connection there. Other programs reaching out where Iowa State, hey, we had to do it. This is a guy that's going to have a big-time job very soon. Let's make it here. The other side is, boy, I would have liked to have some new ideas in the building. After what we've seen out of the offense and the offensive line struggles, throughout the years. I know it's kind of a both-sides argument. What side do you more lean to, though, when you're talking about the way they went with the offensive coordinator? Yeah, I think what, what Matt Campbell looks and sees in Nate Shieldhouse might be kind of the best of both worlds in a, in a really optimistic sense. If you're looking at it that way, you get a guy who is kind of a new breath of fresh air. I mean, I'm sure he had some input into game planning, maybe into play calling, I don't know, uh, when it came to the offensive staff last year, but he might actually taken you know a different approach than than uh tom manning took when it comes to play calling and and might have a you know some different more creative ideas in a sense if you will and and at the same time also being familiar to the staff familiar with the players and, and an outstanding recruiter who's brought some real talent right. into iowa state so I, I think that's the biggest thing that helps uh that familiarity and that recruiting acumen you know probably the biggest thing that that helps keep him around but he's always struck me as a very bright guy with a bright future and uh, a guy I think uh, it's probably as good a, a, an option for Iowa State as about any you'll find outside of the program because it's really, you know, it's, it's going to be hard to find maybe somebody coming over from a Power 5 program who's already a play, play caller, which you'd see that situation as kind of a slam dunk, but that's very hard to do if you're in a position like Iowa State. So I'm not surprised they promoted from within. I'm not surprised at Shieldhouse. And uh, I think he, he'll have every opportunity to succeed and, and has uh, a good chance of doing so, I think. 
Jeff Myers moving on, the offensive line coach. They'll go a different direction there. A lot of people hoping maybe for a veteran to come in and, again, somebody from outside the program to help out that offensive line that just has not clicked fully through the Campbell tenure, even with a background. Tom Manning has offensive line background. Obviously, Myers, even Tom Manning, the old offensive coordinator, had that background. Maybe some new, fresh ideas coming in there. One other question. What about a special teams coordinator, a dedicated full-time special teams coach, Will it happen? Do you see Campbell finally relenting and say, yes, it is time to do that? It's the little things, You're TC. Right. It is. <laughs> yeah, uh, honestly, I, I don't think I see it. Uh, I'm not saying there's not a chance. It, it could happen, but I, uh, at this point, I, I don't see it unless somebody comes along who's just a no-brainer, got-to-have him kind of guy who will, you know, you can have the confidence in to come in and, and, and fix things for Iowa State on, on the uh, special teams front, but is from the statements that, uh, that Campbell has made in the past and the way he's handled that position in the past, it, it's hard to imagine that uh, he'll come in and bring a single dedicated guy to kind of hold that title of special teams coordinator. Interesting. Well, good stuff there. We talk a little football here with Dave Sproul. Let's get into the basketball. Let's look back before we look forward and, and go to last night. If you would have said that that was the game, that the way that game played out yesterday, I would have thought you were absolutely crazy, yet it became a defensive battle. It was a struggle on both teams. Eight straight misses at the free throw line from the Iowa State women. Women, something unthinkable. And they missed a lot of shots that they normally make here. It's not a panic time, but your takeaway from the Iowa State perspective, tough loss there, one that, boy, played out differently. You certainly felt like you could have taken a night where, especially in the first half, Caitlin Clark and the Iowa team as a whole really struggled. Yeah, and, and Iowa State just happened to struggle more, you know. and The, the shooting was... was subpar throughout the game in the third quarter was really rough and and iowa just really clicked in that quarter and built a big lead that uh you know they were able to hold off iowa state and keep them at arm's length throughout the fourth quarter and come away with the win but that's the kind of thing that uh you, you you never take into account with a rivalry matchup it's just shooting going cold and and when you're not making your shots at the free throw line that's not a good sign especially for iowa state who came in there one of the top free throw shooting teams percentage-wise in the country, and with those shots aren't going down for you, then you know it's going to be kind of a rough night. And give Iowa credit. I thought, you know, in a lot of ways they defended well. I know that Iowa State got some looks that they would typically hit, but, you know, the crowd factor coming in there and just the way that Iowa was all amped up and especially coming out of the the halftime break, uh, give the Hawkeyes credit. They played really well, or at least well enough, uh, and and Iowa State just didn't have it quite on the night uh, where they they had a lot of eyeballs on them, but Probably, you know, more often than not, this uh, Iowa State team is going to be one that makes its shots, and they'll be in battles, uh, you know, throughout the Big 12 season. But uh, still a lot of reasons to be confident that this can be a very high-level uh, team, not just for the Big 12, but nationally. What do you think Iowa's chances are, Dave? Appreciate all you do up in Ames, man. You, uh, I do remember you calling a couple of these games, but everyone, yeah. everyone's talking that Iowa actually has a chance to be a Final Four contender. Do you think yeah, that's on the I radar? Think, I think so. I think both teams could, could you know, you can make an argument for that. And Iowa certainly seems to have all the pieces. I mean, anytime you have a Caitlin Clark, first and foremost, you got a team that can make a deep run. Now, we saw last season they got they got thwarted in the second round, mm-hmm. so you never know what can happen when March rolls around. But uh, they seem to have all the pieces with Zanzano on the inside and Clark on the outside. And, you know, she's every bit as good a distributor as she is a scorer. So she gets her teammates involved in a, in a good way and, you know, can hit from anywhere on the floor, literally. 
And so I think that the Hawkeyes, yeah, they, they, they are in contention. You know, so much depends on the matchups in March. But I think both Iowa State and Iowa can reasonably dream, at least, of uh, having a, a shot at the, at the Final Four. From the women's side, let's jump over to the men's side and get into the game here this evening. Iowa State comes in after an impressive victory against St. John's. On the other side, Iowa falls to Duke. Iowa State... It's not pretty, but they are going to get up and defend you. And, and the way they got off to that great start on Sunday was just a thing of beauty. Took St. John's out of it, and the Johnnies really never had an opportunity to recover uh, from that one. What you've seen out of this team here as of late in the continued development as TJ putting these new pieces together once again. Yeah, I think uh, that uh, that good start you saw against St. John's will probably be doubly important against Iowa, not only because the Hawkeyes are a better team, but you're playing on the road and you want to try to take the crowd out of it as much as you can. And if you can do that early, you'll have a big leg up because then you'll have all the energy on, on your side, really, and you'll have a quiet crowd to play in front of that, uh, you know, a little less intimidation factor. So if Iowa State can, can do that and, and thwart Iowa's offense, you know, early uh, and get off to a fast start that way, that, that'll that be a, a big thing for uh, the Cyclones. And then, you know, get some inside-outside shooting. Uh, Oshun, Oshuni has established presence on the inside, both defensively and, and some offensively, and Robert Jones bringing energy off the bench. Uh, he's certainly shown that he has developed his skills on the offensive end uh, far, you know, above and beyond what he showed last season. That's a big lift for Iowa State on offense. And you got, you know, Taman Lipsy and uh, Don Ward, you know, making some contributions. And you got some guys who can you can do some things. And I think this is a bit more balanced team for Iowa State so far, what I've seen, than what we saw last season, where you're not reliant on Isaiah Brockington and somebody to get hot to be your offense uh, for that game. And if you don't find that second score, then then you're stuck. You can find two or three different guys who might uh, be able to step up, be your leading scorer, your second leading scorer, or third leading scorer, and you can get two or three guys into double figures, which will be key always uh, to, to getting wins. And if Iowa State can find that tonight, certainly they'll uh, they'll feel good about their chances. Dave, TJ does an unbelievable job with culture and, and buy-in and, you know, team first, guard, you know, guard your lunch money. No one's taking that lunch money. <laughs> Out of these seniors, right, these, these, these transfer seniors, in your mind, who, who is the most valuable piece? I, I mean, they're all so good. And Jones off the bench has really jumped into that, that first sub role. I mean, he has been very, very crucial for these guys. Which one would you say is uh, is the big man on campus right now? <laughs> well, the uh, big man on campus is uh, probably June, but uh, <laughs> uh, I, th- I think if you're talking about from a culture standpoint, standpoint, the guy that really stands out to me is Gabe Kalsher, and he's been a little quiet mm-hmm. this season because you know he's coming off the bench, but he's really accepted that role and has done so without complaint, and he's bringing that energy off the bench, and he's getting giving T.J. Asselberger exactly what he had hoped for when, when he decided to make that move. And Kalsher has been very gracious about how he's accepted his role, and he's the guy who we talked about a lot last season, too, kind of sets the tone from an attitude and effort mm-hmm. standpoint that is so important to what T.J. Otzelberger wants to build. So if you're talking about a guy who is leading the way you know, culture-wise, you got to look at Gabe Kalsher because the, his willingness – kind of team-first attitude, and uh, the way he has uh, taken on a new role that a lot of players probably might not accept so so graciously when it comes to you know coming off the bench and seeing themselves maybe in a reduced role. But he doesn't see it that way at all, and uh, that's big. When you have a, a guy who's a veteran, who's been a starter, he's willing to accept that role off the bench, 
and still be a leader both on and off the floor. That's that's big for your culture. It's, Plus, it's huge. It's a cha- yeah. it's it has championship written all over it when you have some of your best players with who's had big time games who are so selfless to to go team first. That's great to hear. And and a guy like Caleb Grill who has kind of re re-energized himself, of course, had the great game against Carolina. Shot it well in Hilton for the first time seemingly ever uh, a week ago against North Dakota. Well, good news is this game's out of Hilton, so you know he's going to hit, what, four or five threes? That's usually the way it goes for Caleb Grill. But he's defending on top of it now. I mean, yeah. he he is also bought in. It's not just the Gabe Kalshers and all the other guys that are buying in, but also guys that weren't known as plus defenders. Hey, if you're going to play here, you got to buy into, you got to play on that end of the floor. And I, I think Caleb Grill's a guy that you look at right away and say, that's a guy that's bought into the system. And it's easy then to translate, Dave, with these younger guys. Yeah. And the thing he's bought into is that effort on the defensive end, which mm-hmm. is going to be, you know, by definition, more consistent than the shooting. And we know that he could be a streaky shooter mm-hmm. where you, you can have those big games, and you can have some very, very quiet games on the offensive end, but you're still seeing out of him uh, the effort attitude on the defensive end that, that Offelberger wants, and uh, he's another veteran guy who sets the tempo for the rest of the team. And so when you're getting that out of Caleb Grill as well as Gabe Kalsher and you know some of the other veterans on the squad, then you are setting that culture. You're setting up the younger guys and the newcomers to buy in right away and really gel as a team. Final thing, Twins going to get Carlos Correa? <laughs> We hate baseball. It's basketball season, Trent. <laughs> I saw that Xander Bogart deal. I'm like, no way, no. Nope. Yeah, because Correa's going to want more than that, and and I got I got a feeling Bogart's what he wanted was probably far more than what the Twins were willing to pay anyway. So I'm pretty pessimistic, as I always have been, about Correa coming back to the Twins. We are in simpatico with that one. Yeah, definitely. Uh, looking at it from the other side, go out and get some pitching. Let's let's do it that way. What do you say? Absolutely, absolutely. Have a good one, Dave. We'll talk to you again soon. See you, Dave. All right. My pleasure. Thanks, Dave. Dave Sproul, 1430 AM KASI. Your chance to hear Iowa State basketball up in Story County over there on 1430. Our sister station here with iHeartMedia. Take a quick time out. We'll come back. Put a cap on our number one. Still to come, we'll talk on the Hawkeye perspective. David Eicholt, he will join us to kick off our number two. It's Miller and Condon on 106.3. Wrapping up our number one, it is Miller and Condon. I'm Trent Condon. John Lamb hanging out with me today. Beyond Ball, Handle University. Want to help out your youngster get better at the game. So, John, my uh, daughter, as you know, just a little bit older than your oldest. She's got her by a year. Mm-hmm. Been playing basketball over at the rec center. I can reclass her. We <laughs> She can be better than. Well, we, we need some skills training. So we're, yeah. we're going to be talking. I know you got... Some things coming up with Christmas break around the corner, holiday break, and you have a lot of things happening over at the gym there in Urbandale. But three straight games to end the season. She never made a basket in playing two years. Buckets, buckets, buckets. She's getting there. She's getting there. Now we need to make, take that next step with Handel University. Hey, already better than, than her father. Well, That's all no that matters. Doubt. There's no doubt about it. It's not a real high bar to get over, but she, she has already done that. Well, high bars. So we see... Oh, Two nights ago, of course, Iowa loses to Duke, but game one, Texas controlling the game against Illinois, Illinois has a flurry. Now, you play that last five minutes out, I don't know, ten times, Texas probably wins nine of them, Mm -hmm. but Illinois, it was that night that they came back and did it. I like that Illinois team, Shannon's a stud, and he was not very good until overtime of that game. That Texas squad, though, 
They got dudes, and I know you know my affinity for Chris Beard. I knew when he took over that program, what he did at Texas Tech, now going into this program. If you got the right dudes, they have something. They got a new arena. Just how good do you think Texas is? Is Texas national championship good? Is is that crazy to say? Um, I don't. I don't think it's crazy at all. TC, truthfully, the whole top fifteen, seventeen, all have a chance. And so you think it's maybe as deep to actually win the whole thing as we've seen in a long time? Oh yeah, the because par- usually there's really five, six teams maybe that can win it all. Right. No, the, there's some dudes, and there's such great coaching on these groups. Mm-hmm. Painter, Tony Bennett. You know, your boy Crit, like Kelvin Sampson. Yes. These guys can coach, and, and it's not just coaching. I mean, these guys maximize the talent from their players, which is very difficult to do. Uh, it, it's a, it's a, it's going to be a dogfight. Dogfight. Watching last night, watching Hurley and UConn. Of course, we got to see them. Good old Hurley. Out of Phil Knight and what happened the championship game against Iowa State. That team is so freaking deep. Oh. They have... Seven, eight guys. I mean, two of their best players in the Iowa State game were guys off the bench. And the depth that he has built there, now the grind that they're going to go through in the Big East and what's going to be in front of them, that UConn team, I really, really like them. I got a little futures going on there. Is it crazy if I would say right now, when you look at the full resume, that UConn's the best team in the country for what they've done and what they've at least accomplished to this point? Well, I think anything you say is crazy, Trent. Well, I mean, true. some of the that's things that come out of your mouth off air. Yeah. It's appalling. Even on air. Oh, well, that, I'm a little more guarded. Yeah, you, you, a little more reservation, if you will. No, UConn's back, baby. Yeah. I mean, Kalal el Rip Hamilton, mm-hmm. Charlie Villanueva. <laughs> right. Jeez, my blood is boiling thinking about those Huskies. They're good. And you, you, got, you have a guy like Hurley who is, I mean... He has basketballs bouncing through his bloodstream. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, he, his family, him, just the, the the hoops junkies they are. It's good to see UConn. They deserve it. it, it it's going to be fun to watch. They're number one in my book. Resume-wise, there's no doubt about it. They, they have put together a lot now. We'll get to see Houston this weekend, their first tall task. They get Bama. Coming up this weekend, that'll be a fun game happening on Saturday. One hour down, one more to go. Back to Cy Hawk Talk, where you look at the Hawkeye perspective. David Eichel, 24-7 Sports. He's up next as we take you till 1. Miller and Condon on KXNO.